This is CX of M Radio, the voice of customer experience professionals. Welcome to another episode of Press One for Nick. Your host, Nick Limsdahl, is the Director of Contact Center Solutions at VDS. Through conversations with customer service and customer experience leaders, Nick and his guests exchange insightful stories, best practices, and invaluable lessons they have learned along the way. Welcome to the Press One for Nick podcast. My name is Nick Glimsdahl, and my guest this week is Mary Poppin. Mary is the Chief Customer Officer at Glint, a LinkedIn company. She is responsible for all post-sale customer success and delivering, including service, support, customer success, customer empowerment, training, community, and renewals. Wow, that's a mouthful. So she's also a proud wife, mother of two. She loves travel, exercise, and trying a new good wine, which everybody does. Uh, you also have been named a top customer success influencer for the past five years. So congrats on that. Mary, welcome to the Press One for Nick podcast. Thanks, Nick. It's great to be here. And I should have you do my intro all the time. <laughs> you just let me know. I'll, I'll be your, your traveling intro. Fantastic. So I ask everybody one question at the very beginning, and it's what's one thing that people might not know about you? So this is a this is a really great question. We actually use this at LinkedIn all the time. What's one thing that's not on your LinkedIn profile? Um, so I'm a certified spinning instructor. Um, I love and I have been for years. I won't say how many, uh, but love teaching cycle and strength classes and maybe we'll come out of sabbatical and join Peloton or something at some point. <laughs> there you go. That's awesome. Yeah. They're, they're actually harder than they look. You see them on, on courses or, or on uh, commercials and you're like, Oh, that looks like it's super easy and everybody's smiling. And it's not necessarily the case when you actually get in there and lose five pounds of sweat. That's true. Yeah. And then one thing though, is that's nice about it is people don't really know how hard your resistance level is. And so you can sort of cheat if you know, if you need to. You can. Yeah. I've, I've seen some cheaters in those classes. <laughs> me too. So tell me more about what you guys are up to at Glint. So Glint, uh, Glint's mission is to help people be happier and more successful at work. It was really founded because the one piece of data that seems to be missing in the boardroom readily, you know, because you have financials and all of the other, you know, business information is data on your people. Are they engaged? Are they productive? Um, are they happy? And that was why our co-founders decided, you know, this is a gap we should fill in the market. And it really took off. Um, it's really about offering leaders and managers the opportunity to understand what engages and motivates their people to be happier and more successful at work. You know, so it focuses on employee engagement, development, recognition and continuous feedback, um, ultimately to help the employee and manager interact in a more meaningful way every day. And so is it more on a individualized basis where, cause some people's been a uh, value and, and happiness is based off of the beer fridge in the corner. Some people's uh, happiness is based off of my vacation or my time with my kids or, um, yeah, working in community service. So is there trends in it? You have to kind of base that off of the individual? Yeah, there. well, so it is, you know, confidential surveys, which tend to draw more 
you know, tr truthful and accurate feedback. So mm -hmm. the managers and leaders have access to the trends and information for their team, but not at an individual level. So what it allows them to do is sort of focus a bit more broadly on programs that will tap into the majority um, of engagement, but really beyond that, having meaningful one-on-one -on -one conversations with your directs um, to understand specifically what drives them. So it, it's a conversation starter in many respects for how can I do this better as your manager um, or how can I help you, right, be more happy um, or uncover some of the obstacles to, you know, what might be keeping you from being happy at work. Yeah. Is it, is it important to ask the questions? I've had, I had a lot of listeners in just conversations outside the podcast of people asking me, so I'll go ahead and ask the expert is, is it important to ask the additional questions and maybe set aside five minutes before a meeting or five minutes after a meeting or five minutes before a one-on-one, -on -one, et cetera, to ask more of the personal questions like, Hey, how you been? Like, how, how, how are the kids doing? What's, what's new? How's that? Um, how's the soccer league adult league that you've been up to? Is it, is that important? I, I think, you know, and, and our, you know, results would show too, it is really important to build that relationship. Um, and beyond that is really just understanding your team, right? Everyone, like you pointed out, has different motivators, different things that make them happy. So a manager's job is really to understand what drives each person and do their best to fulfill, you know, those needs um, and desires. And so having that conversation at the beginning and allowing time for more than just business gives the manager insight into their, their team um, and how they can contribute to, you know, their success um, and happiness. Yeah. Inside of customer service, it's all about what's well, not all about, but it's important that the customer feels known and valued. And it feels like that is the same case of what you guys are kind of doing at, at Glint is making those customers or, or those internal customers, your employees feel known and valued. Is that is that hitting the mark? It is. And actually, you touched on something. So as the chief customer officer at Glint, I have an opportunity to, you know, focus on the cust our customers um, as well as my team. Um, and there there's definitely a relationship right there between the two. But what you're touching on is what I call customer intimacy, knowing your customer better than anyone else and being able to deliver what they need when they need it in the way that they want it, even before they know they need it in many cases. Right. And Glint does help with your employees in the same way. It's building that um, intimacy might be an uncomfortable word for a lot of people, but I've never found another word that actually describes really the pinnacle of the relationship that you can have with your customers. Um, I would translate the same thing to the employees. Right. Although saying employee intimacy, it's a little bit more strange than customer intimacy. So <laughs> you might have to think of a new word for that. It, but it's it is actually, the same idea. Yeah, it's actually funny. The was it Shep Hyken that came out with the book uh, "Cult of the Customer," and he's like, "It's not like it's not like that type of cult, but it yeah. is the the word is meaning that I need to be obsessed with that customer." And so I think intimacy is the right word. It's just uncomfortable talking about it maybe at the very beginning until you actually break it down on what that means. Exactly. Yeah. So you've been at part of LinkedIn. Now I kind of mentioned that on the intro. Tell me more about that. How long have you guys been there? 
Yes. Well, I've been at Glint for a little more than four years now, um, since the really early days. And uh, we were acquired by LinkedIn two years ago already. So what a journey it's been. Um, but but our the cultures of our, our companies were so are so um, similar um, that we were able to, to really come in and be welcomed with open arms. And um, our cultures are just so, you know, similar that things just have been extremely smooth since the very beginning. I always see that as a challenge when there's acquisitions. There was one guy, I, I can't name the name yet, but uh, there was a guy that I'm, I'm talking with. He has a large uh, conglomerate uh, with a bunch, like I think 31 or 32 companies that are inside that umbrella. And he was actually interested in looking at customer experience. And so he started reaching out to me and saying, hey, I'm listening to the podcast. And I'm like, hey, man, I think you guys do customer experience on this far side on, on one of these other companies. And he had no idea. But that, you know, there's a lot of that disconnect that happens when when those acquisitions happen. So it seems very refreshing to hear a large organization like LinkedIn is is acquiring an organization like Glint uh, to have that seamless transaction. Yeah, definitely. And I think one of the really interesting things is there's sort of acquisitions where you like plug a hole in a solution versus an acquisition that's a complementary solution. And the story and what we're able to do for our customers is just so incredibly different than what anyone else can do. And then layer in Microsoft and like the, the daily workflow on top of that. And you've got Glint, LinkedIn, I almost like LinkedIn. Um, LinkedIn it sounds, and sounds like a new word right there. <laughs> LinkedIn um, with Microsoft solutions, right? And so it's, there is unfolding, I think this incredible value yeah. um, between our solutions um, and the future, even the next few years is gonna, I think just have crazy innovation um, that people aren't even thinking of today that will relate to you know your people and your solutions within your organization, what you're able to capitalize on. Cool. I look forward to, to learning more about what, what you guys are up to in the coming years behind the scenes. But so your mission at Glint is to help people be happier and more successful, which you kind of talked about. Why is it important to be happy at work? Well, so, you know, Nick, <laughs> you probably feel this too. Um, today, work and life are, right, they're blurred, um, especially with the pandemic, like even to a more crazy level than ever before. Yeah. Um, and Sarah Abrams' new book, I don't know if, if you've had a chance to read it, but she talks about work-life Jenga, um, which I think is such a great analogy because we talk about work-life balance, work-life integration, but we think of work-life Jenga, if people know the game, right? It's like, if you move one piece, it does impact others. And so you have to be sort of mindful and careful all the time about what you take on and, you know, what you're, what you do and does that make you happy? It doesn't make those around you happy. So, but we're all trying to fit in as much as possible um, every day. So if you aren't happy in one aspect of your life, it does carry over to others, right? Um, so being happy at work, you know, creates a happier family, happier friends, um, and it's just contagious. Being happy is contagious. So it impacts others around you. So, you know, our, our goal is to try and help not only employees be happier and successful at work, but also help their families and friends be more happy, their pets, <laughs> et cetera. 
I love that because bringing back to customer service again, you'd never know what that person is experiencing. No, most of the time, nobody calls because they're happy. Nobody calls because their product is amazing and it's working right now. They call because they're frustrated. But you also don't know what else is happening in that person's world. And so how are you giving them a little piece of, of happiness in that life, in that moment? And, and maybe not solving their problem 100%, but actually listening to them and understanding them, feeling known and valued, what I said at the beginning, and going through that process with them and just being in the moment. And sometimes that's all people need. They just feel like they, they want to feel heard. So I, I, I really like that. And finding ways to, to make your dog happy is, is because you're happy. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying that too. I'm a, I'm a dog guy. But so how do you become, is there steps to become happier and more successful at work? You know, I think really people need to just take inventory of what does motivate them, what does make them happy and look for opportunities to surround yourself with the people that tap into those, you know, factors um, and also work. So surround yourself with people and work that really fills your bucket. Um, so it starts really with knowing yourself and then ultimately looking for those things in life that, you know, work and life um, that can make you happy. Yeah, you're totally right. Kind of going back to that last question, I was just thinking through that, just the, the blend of, of Jenga is such a good analogy too, because we're all, majority of us are still working from home. And how do you have that work-life balance? How do you still are able to, to eat with the family or, or go do what you need to do outside of work and then come back and, and finish? And maybe that, that nine to five or whatever that hourly time that you spend at work is always a little bit different now. It's maybe you're getting up a little bit earlier to, to leave a little bit earlier, or maybe you're getting off now to, to work at for 30, 45 minutes in the evening. But as long as it works for you and you're still doing what you need to do at work is, is key. So one of the questions I had too is, is how is the company culture play a role in employee engagement? Yeah, well, one thing just to kind of round out our last conversation is that people shouldn't be afraid to ask either for things that will make, you know, their life easier. Um, so if you don't ask, you don't get. And if you know that being able to work, say, starting at 10 a.m., right, maybe that works for you and your company. So never, you know, be afraid to put something on the table um, that can help, you know, create, create a better Jenga uh, experience for you. But company culture 100% impacts people's experience, right? And ultimately their engagement and motivation and a people first culture. Um, and you can tell these companies because there is empathy being displayed at every level. There's collaboration. There's, you know, a focus on relationships because it really matters. Um, and these are the things that, you know, our research shows, and it's probably obvious, lead to higher impact, you know, higher impact on engagement. Um, a people first culture culture carries over to a customer mindset as well. And so you just are surrounded by high energy happiness, both on the customer side and the employee side. Um, so culture absolutely matters. I think we've all probably walked into an organization or been part of one 
where you know you can feel the vibe is just not good right there's a tension there's like a frustration or dissatisfaction and nobody wants to be part of that for the long term it's exhausting um and customers sense that too right so whatever's going on in an organization the vibe carries over to customers as well so those organizations just don't tend to do as well as organizations that have this you know, people first mentality. I don't know why I have this analogy in my head when you just said that, but when you don't have that vibrant culture, we don't have that excitement and, and happiness for engaged employees. It almost reminds me of like the opposite of that is walking down into like a cold, wet basement and it's just musky. Like that's the feeling that you get when you go into an organization that's not the right fit. And uh, I don't know, every once in a while I get these weird analogies and, and my listeners have to put up with it. But uh, I feel like it's a good representation of what that what that bad culture looks like. I, yeah, I would say that's a pretty good analogy. Um, I can, I can feel the vibe of being in like a wet, icky basement and being in a company, you know, walking into a company where you're like, it does have that sort of similar vibe. There you go. I'm glad I, I glad, I glad I at least won one person over for the day. <laughs> I might have uh, to use that in the future. You can, you can. Um, so one thing that you mentioned uh, in your answer was the word empathy. And I, I hear that word now more than ever. And is it because of the situation that the, the 2020, the year of 2020, or is it because of something else that we are constantly now uh, trending toward uh, the, the word empathy? You know, I think it's always, to me, it's always been a differentiator for cultures of companies, but also customer service. There's a trend, you know, you hear if you look over time, what customers say about a company or what employees say about a company and the underlying theme in many cases is that there's empathy present. Um, so even if it wasn't called out in the past, it was there as a differentiator. So it's kind of the secret sauce. Empathy isn't really easy to train, you know, um, but it is easy to find people with empathy and it's easy to role model empathy. Um, and that should be a primary focus for companies. And again, it does spill over if, if you treat your employees with empathy, it spills over to how they treat their customers too. It really does make a difference, right? Because it's not the, it's the difference too, to me, between being a vendor and being a partner. There's a tactical exchange and a vendor relationship, which generally lacks empathy um, versus being a partner and having that sort of you're a unique, you know, customer, you're a unique employee, and I'm going to treat you that way. In a competitive market, does your customer service stand out from the crowd? One way to offer a better experience is by moving your contact center to the cloud. But with so many options to choose from, how do you know which solution is the best for both your business and your customers? That's where VDS comes in and guides you to the best solution. They understand your clients' pain points, business outcomes, and goals. Then VDS designs, implements, supports, and provides 24-7 managed services. 
From start to finish, VDS is committed to finding the best solutions for your clients' needs. To learn more, go to www.govds.com or find a link in the show notes. Yeah, I had a, a guy... One of one of my guests on the on the episode on the podcast, and he was trying to teach somebody empathy, and they didn't really get it. And you could hear that they didn't get it as they're doing some uh, quality training until she actually heard one of my guests' calls because he jumped on the call and he started uh, was was in the customer service, and she's she starts going through his recording and she goes, "That's." That's what empathy sounds like. That's interesting, but she never really understood it when she was listening to herself of what it didn't sound like. Mm. And so I, I thought that was really cool because it took her outside of her comfort zone of listening to other people and then hearing it for herself to be able to, instead of just saying, this is the things that you do when you are empathetic, it's going through that process and having her kind of be submerged in it. Yeah, I think when you when you do experience it and you're surrounded by it, you can determine I do that or I don't. Um, and I think people can can learn even to fake it uh, if, if it's just not inherently in their nature. Um, but you, I think you're right. Seeing it and experiencing it, it's it's like a light bulb goes on. Absolutely. So when it comes to employee engagement, is there a correlation between employee engagement and customer satisfaction? There absolutely is. And, and there's tons of research on it. Um, but anecdotally, you know, it just, it does make sense. But I, I always think of it, um, and of course, like any consultant, you have a four box. <laughs> um, and so on one axis is the employee engagement, on the other is customer satisfaction. And if you think about like the best place to be is up and to the right, right? Um, which I call the all in zone. And so I like to use, are you familiar with in and out Burger? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I love it. But every single experience I've ever had in, in, in and out Burger is you walk in, employees are happy. There's a ton of energy. Um, in many cases, they know the customers they're working, they're doing like one person's doing shakes, one person's doing fries, but there's this like well-oiled machine. Um, and there's just this like great vibe on top of knowing, you know, that you're going to get this phenomenal burger um, as well. Right. So there's just this happiness that exists and it's kind of contagious between the customers that go in and into in and out and the employees. Like I, I've never talked to anybody that felt, um, not super elated <laughs> when they left, you know, in an outburger. And so I think of them in the, in the all in zone, right? Whereas the polar opposite is the low customer sat, low employee engagement. And us, I apologize to any, you know, DMV employees who may be listening in, but it, it's an example I use because the only companies that can survive in that quadrant are the ones that have to survive, right? They have to have a reason to be. Whether you want to go there or not, you need to. Um, and, and they need to have employees, right? And there's good benefits and whatever uh, that draws people in. But it's not really, it's kind of like the, the wet basement vibe you use, mm -hmm. right? Um, to have to go into the DMV. So polar opposites on the scale. And then you've got you know, top left quadrant where you have 
high employee engagement and low customer satisfaction, which um, is ultimately leads to exhaustion um, because the employees want to do really good things for their customers. You know, they're up every day saying, what can I do? But they're dealing with customers who are really unhappy, right? The product isn't working, sales set the wrong expectations. Um, the employees aren't empowered to solve customer issues. And so what happens is you risk everything sort of dropping into the lower left quadrant, the risk zone. Um, and then conversely, when you have high customer satisfaction, but low employee engagement, it's a missed opportunity because how long will customers interact with employees who are generating this bad vibe, right? They don't love the company. They don't believe in the mission. They don't want to be there. Customers pick up on that too. And then they don't want to be a part of it. Right. So it's really a missed opportunity to move customers into that all in zone. So there's definitely a relationship and we could probably all think of, you know, examples for each, but the reality is companies have actions they can take for both employee engagement and customer satisfaction. And if they work on both in parallel, they'll start to see some pretty incredible, you know, results. Yeah, I like the correlation specifically inside of uh, in and out. And I think that directly correlates to other departments inside of an organization. But do just because do you think and this is your personal thought, um, do you think that people go into an in and out burger because it they like the way it makes them feel not necessarily the burger or the or the fries, which are great and they're hot and you can eat uh, order off the secret menu. If people didn't know that there's a secret menu, you can have the, the sponge, the sponge uh, uh, bun, which only lasts like 24 hours, but it's the quality there, right? But are people showing up because, and, and they're bringing their friends who are from out of town, not just for the quality of the, of the burger, of the burger or the fries, but because of how it makes them feel? I do. I think the desire to return more than once a week is not just the taste of the burger. I think it is the service. I think it's how you feel when you're surrounded, you know, in an environment that's just high energy, happy, you know, well-organized. Um, yeah. I mean, they, it seems like there's a ton of teamwork, collaboration, you know, people want, seem to want to be together. Um, and it doesn't, feel like it's a work shift um, as much as it's, you know, a part of their lives. It's a, it's a place that they spend the good majority of, of their lives and they're happy there. Um, so I definitely, I definitely think that's the case. Yeah. Is, is happiness why they're at an in and out, even though they're, they might not be getting paid. It's not like a, a really awesome job. Maybe it's an awesome job in that moment, but are they, are they doing it because they enjoy being there from the employee side now or, or they they're all in. So you, you mentioned the all in um, quadrant, the, the four bucket, are they trying, are they all in on what the company's mission is? Are they all in on the product? Are they all in on creating better experiences? Is, is that, is that part of all in too? It is. I do think there's, there, there are, hygiene factors like pay benefits, mm -hmm. um, the ability to take time off, vacation, things, those things that I think have to be present in order for the all-in zone to be possible. 
Um, but I think once those factors are met and people feel good about that, they can move, you know, kind of up the pyramid of needs and really enjoy being with the people they, you know, are surrounded by and that's employees and customers, right? So I definitely think, I definitely think it's a part, yes, of the all-in zone. And as long as the baseline's met, you know, companies can get there. Yeah, I, I see that as a as a book coming. I know that uh, In-N-Out Burgers are are very secret with what they do and their process and how they train employees. But maybe it's the the process of of in and out, uh, all in and out uh, burger recipe. So uh, it's another another one of my uh, my analogies that tend to to be goodish, but. Um, so one, one of the things that you mentioned at the very beginning or that I mentioned at the very beginning was around how you run the customer success at, at Glint. So what does customer success mean to you? So we talked about customer intimacy, um, which is a, so the mission of my team at Glint is to deliver a wow experience to our customers and the wow experience is different for every customer right? It depends on who you're interacting with at the customer and the customer in general and their needs from a maturity perspective of their processes to um, whether they have enough, you know, people to do the technical um, or administration work, etc. So there's a lot of variables to consider. So the challenge for my team is knowing that customer better than anyone else. Right, it's that customer intimacy again, knowing knowing what they need, when they need it, being able to proactively deliver it, um, and that leads to wow moments, right? When you're able to reach out and say, "Hey, I know that you you know you've acquired this company. Um, we let's get an onboarding survey out in the first 30 days because we know that retention is that much more significant." if you can act on the onboarding experience of these employees, you know, within the first 90 days. So let's get it out and let's make sure they're feeling heard. Those kinds of things are, are impressive to customers, but it also makes them look like heroes, right? In their company. Uh, and so those opportunities to create really, it's not even create, I like to talk about innovating moments that matter with your customer, really start by knowing them really, really well and taking the time to understand what's going to make them successful and what's going to build the relationship. So knowing them intimately, I think it's, is it surveys and truly asking them the right questions, but is it also understanding what they're not saying? In terms of the customer, you mean? Yeah. When you're asking those questions, I think there's a lot of things that people are not saying, but they're acting in a different way than they're speaking. Is that is that true? Yeah. So the nonverbals are really important. You know, with with Zoom um, and other video conferencing capabilities, you don't have to be in the room with the customer to pick up on that anymore, which I think has been game changing because we've had video or not video, but um, conference call capability and remote work for a long time that can be successful, share your screen and then have the audio, right? Mm -hmm. oh, with the video, you're able to pick up on a nonverbal cue that you may not otherwise have seen, right? Or noticed if you weren't with the customer live. Um, and so I absolutely 
yeah, I think that nonverbal plays into the ability to, to build this intimacy um, and to deliver really great results. Awesome. What, when does the success of the customer end? Is there, it's like a secret, is there a secret stopping point where you're like, haha, checkpoint, like I, I accomplished my goal, or is this like a infinity loop where it just doesn't stop? It's, you know, I won't, I won't even call it a marathon because marathons have a finish line. It, it is a journey. There is no final destination. The goal ultimately is just ongoing success, right? So I think the challenge is how do you continue to deliver value after you do reach, you know, the first of the product launch, for example, um, or you have finished a year of the contract, you know, yay, woohoo, let's celebrate, but what's next? Mm -hmm. You should always be asking what's next, what's next, what other value can we be providing? So there should never be a, a final destination, just a lifetime partnership. Yeah an extended finish line that, that doesn't stop. But maybe like you said, there's, there are success factors where you can celebrate those small wins because sometimes if you don't celebrate the small wins, you, you could get overwhelmed in that moment because you're never reaching a quote unquote goal or right. finish line. Right. Yeah. There's always key milestones, right? And those milestones should be meaningful. And part of the challenge too is identifying the real value that you can bring because sometimes customers themselves can't articulate it. Um, and a lot of times the people servicing the customer have you know, big portfolios. Mm -hmm. So there really needs to be a way for both to be able to identify what, what would value look like. Um, on the employee side, that should, they should have systems, right? And some foundational elements that are being provided that will help them deliver value. Um, and so a lot of times I think employees are, are only able to deliver a certain amount of value because then like their resources and their um, insights sort of run out, right? They don't have a way to get to the next level. And that's where I think companies need to start investing and start looking at what are those elements that will help our team continue to differentiate and drive value. Yeah, that's a great point. So Mary, I wrap up every podcast with two questions and I'll, I'll provide them both at the same time. So it gives you a little bit of time to, to think of them, but uh, what book or person has uh, influenced you the most in the past year? And, and we can put the parameters around customer service or customer experience or not. And then the second one is if you could leave a note to all the customer experience and customer service professionals, it's going to hit everybody's desk Monday at 8 a.m. What would it say? So that, I love it. Um, the first one in terms of influence, Vincent Manlapaz has taken it upon himself to interview customer service professionals from all industries and sort of all sizes of companies to uncover some of the underlying themes and best practices and to build a community of experts with differing viewpoints, but allow kind of everyone to come together and start to build some common frameworks. Um, and he's been on sort of a, a book, um, it's the right word, uh, not marathon, but he, he's been producing, he's on his fourth book. Um, I've had the privilege to be part of the journey with him, but what's been really 
you know, influential to me is just how he's been able to just reach out, network, you know, touch all sorts of people, get all sorts of perspectives and bring it all together. And it's really made a, a huge impact in our CS community. Um, in terms of what I would say to people, I would say this, if this hit their inbox at 8 a.m. When the customer comes first, the customer will last. And that's a quote from Robert Half. That's a great quote. Um, and I, and I appreciate the, 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 the recommendation, but does that guy that you recommend, does he have a book? Yes, it's, um, it's a mindset. It's a service based mindset paradigm shift. It's kind of a long title. Um, but it's the, it's the most recent book. It's really, it's got a lot of frameworks for CS leaders customer experience leaders to really think through whether it's their own organization or they're consulting for one. Um, so I definitely recommend it. Cool. I will definitely check that out. Mary, what's the best way for my listeners to connect with you? LinkedIn would be the best way. And it's just Mary Poppin. <laughs> yeah. Sh shocker. Shocker. Right? Connect, connect via LinkedIn. I don't even know why I asked. <laughs> Mary, thank you so much. I had a blast. Uh, I learned a bunch and I, I look forward to seeing your success in the coming years. Thanks so much for having me, Nick. Hey, listeners, can you think of one person who would benefit from the information you learned today? If so, please consider sharing this episode with them. And last, if you would like to receive all the quotes and book recommendations from all my guests, you can go to pressonefornick.com forward slash podcast. Thank you for listening to this episode of Press 1 for Nick. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and share. Until next time, focus on your customers. Thanks for joining us for this session of CX of M Radio. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit cxofm.org for more resources.